VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Welcome, everybody. I know that my listeners love the fact when I do new shows, and today we're doing a new segment, a new monthly segment called Taking the Lead. Stars of PR is launching a new monthly segment, and it is called Taking the Lead, the world's largest online leads exchange. We'll give expert advice to listeners wanting to know everything about the multi-billion dollar lead generation industry, and I have the CEO of LeadPoint, Mark Diana. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Did you like that intro? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that you called. It was very last minute. You guys are all busy with the ad tech convention, and, you know, we had you scheduled, and everybody at Motivox Broadcasting, we were all excited, but you put us on the edge. But that's a good thing. I'm sorry about that. There's a lot of buzz up in San Francisco about this online lead generation sector. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, the show started yesterday, um, and out on the floor of the show, you have uh, a lot of companies that are out there promoting uh, online advertising and lead generation in general. And it's nice to see a, a lot of new faces and a lot of old faces, folks who have been around since you know late 90s, early 2000, and have companies with business models that have matured along with the Internet industry in, in the world of lead generation. And it's, it's also nice to see a lot of traditional sort of corporate America creeping into the online lead generation sector. You see folks from, from Viacom with CBS. You also see News Corp with Fox and Disney with ABC, all having representatives walk around the floor to visit new media companies such as LeadPoint. Well, no, that's fantastic. You have to get in front of all of them fast. You have to have them call me so that I can tell them that you're the best and not to deal with anybody else. <laughs> you got it. You see, I could be your agent too. When you, when Cindy Rakowitz is with a PR firm, you just don't get traditional PR. You get an agent. Thank you very much. I appreciate the endorsement. Uh, absolutely. So if they have a problem or if they're seeing a competitor, you have them talk to me immediately. <laughs> you got it, Cindy. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about, listen, we have a lot of listeners that are in the traditional marketing and public relations areas. Lots of chief marketing officers listen to the show because they want to find out the inside scoop, the inside advice about increasing, you know, their business potential. So I want to talk about some basic questions like what, is lead generation for those that might not know? Sure. Lead generation, let's focus on the consumer because that's what the name of the game is all about. It provides the opportunity for a consumer to make an inquiry about a product or service and find appropriate companies of interest that provide that product or service to them. And it basically enables them to comparison shop for, for what they're looking for. They themselves become the actual lead. Oh, okay, so get, may, let's make believe I'm a I'm a business person. <laughs> let's make believe because I'm really not. No, but you know, let's. I'm calling you up, okay, and you have to make believe that you're the person that receives the call, okay? Sure. <laughs> and um, you know, and I'm like, I am running a, I am right, I am running a boat business. Is that a good business to have picked? Well, let's let's do this. If if you're a, you're going to be a consumer in this scenario. And yes. you're going to see an, an advertisement on on TV for um, you know you know to lower your mortgage payment. So you're going to oh, call one eight hundred mortgage dot com. Got it. Okay. So, so go what happens? What happens? So I call one eight hundred mortgage dot com, and then I get somebody on the phone, right? Sure. Okay. And how does that connect to you? So what what happens is as a consumer you'll call in you'll you'll come into um, either our a call center that we operate or you could be in an in an IVR kind of like when you call the airlines and they ask you a, a couple of questions to route you to the appropriate agent we'll ask you a couple of questions um, about your home about the amount of your current loan about the interest rate that you may have at the current time and and what you're looking to achieve. Uh, with your mortgage to take out more cash, to, to, to expand your kitchen, or just to lower your monthly payments. Once we get that information from you, we'll connect you to an actual uh, lender who can provide a product to meet your needs. You'll then be on the phone with that lender right there in real time, and he'll start giving you, uh, taking your information to complete an application and get you a quote to achieve what you're looking for. Okay, so if you go, okay, that's the deal. You're not going through um, a large, wider network. You're going directly to where you want to go. 
That is 100%. But the advantage of, of using a method of, of lead generation is instead of you yourself needing to research, who do I call? There's thousands of lenders out there. Which one is going to be best for me? Opposed to you having to invest your time as a consumer in that diligent process of, of analyzing who's the best of the best, you simply can call in or complete an online web form and be matched with providers who want to fight for your business. It's kind of like the lending tree promise. When lenders compete, you win. I got it. Okay, if I were to make a really obtuse metaphor for those of us in the creative business, okay, I want them to understand. And um, would it be like, you know, you could go to a concierge at the Hilton, but you could also go to a concierge at the um, Beverly Hills Hotel, and you're going to get better quality and you're going to get faster service because they have the better leads. That's exactly what it's like. Okay. I mean, that's how entertainment people might understand it that aren't so software savvy and aren't so direct mail savvy, I guess. We're going to connect you to what you need as quickly as possible and make it as painless for you as we can. All right. Well, listen, then you're like the polo lounge. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Except I don't have alcohol for you. Um, no, that's okay. One day you'll be in that category. <laughs> no, that's actually complicated. I'm only kidding. But, um, um, well, tell us about the auction-style platform because I know that uh, when you go through your website, you know, you talk about auction-style platforming, and why don't you describe what that is? Sure. So by an auction-style platform, what, what that means is in, in order for the, the leads to be matched with the appropriate lender, um, it's done via, for us, it's done via an auction-based platform, meaning that all of the lenders are in our system um, placing orders or bids to receive those leads out of our system. And so what we do as LeadPoint is we analyze both how much they're willing to pay along with how good they are for the actual consumer. So we compare those two components and our technology then goes and completes its matching process. I get it. Okay. So it's it's kind of, and I'm using this really as, you know, a very, very known model. It's kind of eBay-ish. <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what we are. Because while on one end of the model we have companies that are bidding to pull the leads out of the engine, on the other end of the model we have companies that are sending the leads into the engine. So those are what we would call a seller, and the companies that are pulling the leads out are what we would call a buyer. So a, a seller would be someone who, who is attracting you as a consumer to make that phone call into the lead point system, or is attracting you to fill out an online form and answer a couple of questions so you can be matched with someone who wants to provide you a product or service. That information collector or initiator of, of your, your action would be a seller in our business model. Oh, it's it's really kind of excellent. I think that when you think about the leads, when you think about leads or direct marketing, period, it's amazing to, you know, have models that the consumer really can understand, and eBay is certainly something that the consumers understand. Well, listen, we're going to have to take a break, but you're staying on for another 15 minutes or maybe 10. So let's take a commercial break and continue talking about the point. We have the CEO, Mark Diana. Stay tuned. Listen wherever, whenever, voiceamerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, party. Festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-797-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, 
bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the US Muscle Mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. No Bull Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Mark Diana, and he is the CEO of Leadpoint, and that's the world's largest online leads exchange, and we're very excited to have you. Um, I'm going to just continue to give you this free commercial and say that um, Leadpoint's auction-style model allows buyers to bid only on the leads that are beneficial to them, allowing lead buyers to be more efficient, focus on the deals and closing their business deals and growing their business and not dealing with a lot of other noise, right, Mark? That's exactly it. Do what you do best. Get some customers. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. Now, I know that you gave us the example before of mortgage leads, but, you know, you really, I know that your CMO frequently refers to your business as the multiple vertical lead service. And I want to talk about, you know, how LeadPoint can provide leads in just about any area. It doesn't have to be mortgages. It doesn't have to be student loans. It could be anything. I mean, plastic surgery leads are a real business. That's true. The sky is the limit. It's Every business out there needs and wants customers, and so we're a vehicle for them to go and get those customers. It can be plastic surgery. It could be purchasing a car, so it could be a car dealership. It could be an insurance company. It can be a dentist. It could be a doctor. It could be anyone out there who wants to get a new customer can come and get it through the Lead Point Exchange. Okay, that's fantastic. Would it be as specific as maybe a person that was running a public relations company? Sure. People running PR firms need need clients. This could be a way for you to go and get new clients. Okay, let's. I'm going to try this now because I'm really a public relations person, right? So we're not being contrived. Oh, okay, Mark. I heard that you're the CEO of LeadPoint. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I have been in public relations for 25 years, okay, and I'm only 16 years old. It's amazing, but I really have been in PR for 25 years, so I have the solid experience to not let my clients down. I know how to do public relations. I know the press. And how do I go about getting my own business leads because I just left a very big company that thinks that they made my life? <laughs> sure, Cindy. It's really simple for you to do that through the Lead Point Exchange. You can simply come into our system and you can put a bid in the system to receive clients who are looking for PR services. You can select the state that they may be in. You can select the area code that they may be operating out of. You can also select the size of the company and the sector of the company, so one to five employees, five to 50 employees, 51 to 100 employees, or you may want to focus on media and entertainment companies. You may want to focus on manufacturing companies. You can get exactly what you want, the type of client that you can target and service best straight through the Lead Point Exchange. Wow. So really, any smart business person that wants to find great leads and be much more advanced than Dun & Bradstreet. <laughs> I said it as a customer, Mark. You didn't say it as the exchange service. Okay, I'm asking you this. So it's a real question that a customer might ask, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's like there, the truth is there's so many leads out there that a lot of businesses depend on. You know, they have sales staff, and the sales staff get leads. So I want to sell you, and I want to establish you as the very best so that you get customers from different areas. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Who's got the Glengarrys? That's the question. Okay, well, and it's, okay, now, if you want to, we could continue for you to talk about price modeling because you have to do that when you're talking to your customers anyway, right? Absolutely. Okay, so here I am. I left 5WPR. We won't tell anybody, though, even though everybody's listening to it. <laughs> and I need my own leads, okay? And, um, you know, and I have to talk about the fact that, you know, again, I'm a veteran in the industry. I have a great reputation. And, you know, people shouldn't be going to young kids to do their PR. They have to go to seasoned professionals, right? So how much am I going to pay you to get me all of my leads? Well, that's the beauty of the system is you pick what you want to pay me to get your leads. Since it's an auction, I'll simply show you what your competitors are willing to pay for the leads, and you can determine if you're willing to pay more or willing to pay less, and our system will look to match those customers with you based on your price point along with um, its assessment of how good you're going to be for the actual customer. Oh, my God. So it's like American Idol for leads. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to what I'm trying to do is giving the people that listen to my show, you know, I'm trying to dumb it down for their <laughs> so that they can understand it. And it's like you really do. You go into the software, you go into leadpoint.com and you get to see it's you get to see what everybody else is willing to pay. And who knows, maybe there's not a lot of people in your space and you know, then you're the king for the day. Absolutely. That's absolutely how it works. Oh, my God. So everybody has to go into www.leadpoint.com, and the world is your oyster. And it was CEO Mark Diana that brought that to you. What made you go into this, Mark? Um, I came into this because I saw the, the opportunity to create efficiency in, in the online space. Um, the, the Internet, which has been around since, since Al Gore invented it back in 1960, I think he claims, um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yes. And it's it's an instrument to create more efficiency. And so I saw the opportunity to make it be extremely efficient for companies to go and get new customers and, and do something that no one had done out there on the Internet before. And so we were really excited to bring our product and service to market, and we went and did that in 2004. And since then, we have thousands of happy, smiling customers using the Lead Point Exchange. No, I think that's so fantastic. It's really kind of frightening. Obviously, you've been in software for, you know, a while, so you're very familiar with it. But can you think about this? For those of us that have children, okay, they have so much more of an advantage than we do. (laughs) Because they grow up on the computer when they're two. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. They're used to using that, that, that mouse at the age of two. My niece is clicking around the, uh, the internet faster than my, than I can. I mean, it's really frightening. I mean, think of the advantage that these people have when you compare them to the baby boomer, okay, who, you know, came into the, you know, using computers or being dependent on their computers for every minute life, okay. It's like these kids really can own the world. It's about time that people who are echo boomers and XY generations and you know, baby boomers as well, to kind of entrust themselves over to people like LeadPoint, because otherwise you're not going to have the competitive advantage. It's just a sad type of life. Yeah, absolutely, Cindy. And you kind of hit on something that that I see happening across multiple industries, are that, you know, you mentioned the, the, the youth of America taking advantage of the Internet. There's a wave of young, younger companies out there that were taking advantage of the Internet and lead generation to go and acquire customers in a more expedient manner. And it's, it's kind of woken the sleeping giant of good old corporate America. And now they're jumping in and beginning to take advantage of the Internet and opportunities like LeadPoint to purchase leads. So our sector is just in, in, in ripe for a catastrophic explosion. Uh, oh, that said so well. That said so well. Well, you know, what I'm hoping we can do together, and we've certainly talked to Michael about this and Allie about this, um, and I'm very excited about it, is when you do close all of those deals at AdTech, no pressure or anything, not at all, okay? We're hoping that the people that you close those deals with will allow us to talk about them in a press release or use their name in a press release. And, of course, that's always the hard part. And Remember, this is a public relations show, so it's okay for us to talk about it. Um, you know, so that we could get you lots of media so a lot of, a lot more people can 
contactleadpoint.com. I really want to make you the best. I get very determined in these things. Absolutely. I want to make I want to make the competition really upset. Um, So listen, in terms of new verticals, even though really anybody could look for anything on LeadPoint, but in terms of your category optimization or adding official new categories, what might be next? Sure. So we're currently in the mortgage category, and we're also in student loans, as, as you hit on. Um, we also have credit card debt on the on the exchange. We're moving into the automotive space, so we will have auto purchase on the internet, along with auto loans or auto finance. So consumers seeking to buy a car and or to uh, get a loan to purchase their car will be able to do that through the Lead Point Exchange. And and behind that, we're also rolling out um, um, Spanish leads. So we're moving into the Hispanic market to be able to service that growing sector of America across all of our products. Okay, now have you gone into the Hispanic market yet, or is that something that you're still going to do? Yeah, nope, we're in there right now. Um, we, we launched that um, a, a, about a quarter or so ago, uh, but we're going to be making a very aggressive push in it in the upcoming quarters. Oh, good. Okay, so, you know, it wouldn't be, when we when you do the aggressive push, the PR firm actually can be proactive in doing Telemundo, maybe, or El Diario La Prensa, so that you could actually speak to the people that speak your language. Absolutely. Okay, so who at Lead Point speaks Spanish so that we could put them on Telemundo? I have a handful of folks at Lead Point that speak Spanish. We probably have about um, seven or eight employees here who are bilingual, so I can get them on and they can promote away. Okay, no, that's fantastic because, you know, any time a business aggressively goes into the Hispanic marketplace, Telemundo always looks for stories. The only problem is is that a lot of time clients, are, you know, they're put on Telemundo and they're like, oh, I have to speak Spanish, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want to put you on the spot, Mark, you know. Now, wait until you go into the Chinese business. That will really be scary. <laughs> I mean, what is the future in terms of language, actually? it's That's a very good question. We talked about Hispanic because there's so many Hispanics living in the U.S. and living around the world, but, you know, what does the lead point think about doing in terms of the Chinese where, you know, you have, you know, the fastest-growing economy in the world and probably some of the, you know, people that have a high disposable income, particularly if um, they're successful business people themselves, but they speak Chinese. Yeah, there's, there's there's two components to to um, to language within LeadPoint. One is one that we hit on already. So here here in the U.S., we will service uh, Hispanic-speaking uh, consumers, but also as as you're bringing up right now, we can also bring our platform into um, into over international waters. We've already done that out in the U.K. So we're serving um, British consumers who obviously speak English, but nonetheless they're being serviced, and we plan to further expand through Europe. So we're looking um, at Germany, France, or Italy, and we're also looking to expand into Asia. So be it China, Japan, or Korea are all territories that we have our eye on here at LeadPoint. And we'll look to make those happen uh, possibly as early as by end of this year. Wow, now that's really exciting. Now that, you know, again, because it's a public relations show, I could say, you know, the minute that you go into a country that is not Spanish, okay, and isn't English-speaking, that is a big story because the U.S. press here really loves to talk about the globalization of software. It's just something that, that's the thing that really tickles the people at the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal because it shows U.S. applications for worldwide distribution, and that's just something that media loves. So listen, we have to wrap up, but you have been a great guest, but you're going to be a monthly guest, and what we're going to do together is we're going to create, you know, categories and topics that you want to talk about, and you have to tell all of your friends that you could be heard monthly on Stars of PR and Voice America Internet Radio. Perfect, Cindy. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, no. Well, good luck at Tech. Tell Michael I said hi, and we'll meet soon. Perfect. Thank you, Cindy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Unlimited talk at your fingertips. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, party. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R A K N R O L L Entertainment.com. Or call 1 818 597 0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuitions for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do, and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationship. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back this morning, and we're talking about damage control, why everything you think you know about crisis management is wrong. And I have with me author Eric Denzenhall. Did I say it right, Eric? Denzenhall, yeah, that sounded close to me. Oh, no, it sounds close enough. You know, it's a big crisis when a radio host always gets the names wrong, but not as big as some of the others that you're aware of and talk about your book. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it's a good subject. No, listen, um, but well, I was fascinated by it when your publicist, you know, sent it over to me. I've done crisis communications myself, so I feel like I could share war stories with you, um, but we'll do that in a little bit. Um, my biggest question to you is, and it's talked about in the book, I kind of perused it last night, and I think it's written really well. I'm going to recommend it, okay? Every well, well, bless you. Thank you. Every public relations person and every CEO and everybody in the military should have the book Damage Control, Why Everything You Know About Crisis Management is Wrong, particularly at this time. I think it's very, very well written. There's lots of books out there about crisis communication, but the thing that Eric and his co-author bring to us is the fact that it's very timely, so you're not reading about crises that happened 20 years ago. You're reading about crises that happened a month ago. Congratulations on the timeliness of the book. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Okay, so why is it, Eric, that so many people who have multiple degrees, who maybe even have some military training, um, why is it that crises are not handled as well as they should be? I mean, uh, you know, CEOs disappear. You mentioned JetBlue, you know, in in the PR materials, or at least your PR people do. Um, Taco Bell, very, very current you know, very timely. Where do people go? I mean, do they really think that, like, the news is going to go away if they disappear? Well, I, I think that there's a few things. First of all, uh, human nature. Uh, it has nothing to do with intelligence. I mean, I, I think um, human beings in crisis uh, react um, with terror. And the idea, we have this uh, sort of Jack Bauer, uh, you know, the show 24 notion that in a crisis situation, everybody is calm, cool, and cold, and they know exactly what to do. That, that's just not the case, and I think that Americans especially have unrealistic expectations when it comes to crisis management. We have the, this notion that something goes wrong, and the SWAT team then 
kicks in the door and everybody does the right thing. I mean, there's a reason they call the uh, crisis management because it's crisis, it's chaos. And I think that that there is a, a tendency, especially in our culture, to overvalue uh the what individuals can do and undervalue how much depends on luck and and outside things but i think that um you know a, a company for example i mean if you're a drug company you're set up to uh make and sell drugs you're not set up to manage crises so uh i think that we have to alter our expectations to begin with and it has nothing to do uh it really has nothing to do with with intelligence i mean i i, I think that the fundamental theme of of the book damage control is that the whole crisis pr area has been characterized by these sort of silly mother goose aphorisms always apologize show concern take responsibility you know immediately recall the product the way Tylenol did even though by the way they didn't um, and I, I think that whenever you get committed to these very simplistic uh, absolute rules uh, what I think people have to realize is they don't always work in fact the point of the book is they often don't work and in large measure because a lot of times what companies are facing are not communications problems but fundamental conflicts with motivated adversaries that don't want you to do the right thing they want to defeat you when Don Imus goes on Al Sharpton show he doesn't want to make the situation right he wants to ruin his target um, so um, Sharpton does that. That is so. I just think that that that, that people who read uh, the book Damage Control need to ha- take a much harsher, realistic view of the way crises really go down, and stop with all of these silly cliches about the Tylenol case. Mm, I think you're very right about that. Well, the one thing is, yes, that was very well said in terms of, you know, the everything will be okay thing doesn't work when you have all hell breaking loose. But the one thing that really does work, and I think you point this out in the book, is like never lie. You know, never do the Martha Stewart thing. Never, you always have to be direct because what's going to happen is you're going to be, you're going to win so much more credibility points later on if you come forward and the public is demanding to know what happened and you say, yes, there was, this did happen without lying about it. You're not going to be caught, you know, in this horrible place and destroyed. Honesty is always your best salvation sometimes. Well, it's an interesting point, and and I think that you know, to case in point is the recent Justice Department scandal. Uh, you know, crisis rule uh, number one is always uh, respond quickly. Well, what if you can't respond quickly because you don't know what's going on? And I think what the just what Gonzalez did that was wrong was he tried to respond immediately uh, under the notion that you know always respond immediately, but he came out with inaccurate information. And so he came out quickly, and now everybody thinks he's a liar. Um, so if given the choice between coming out quickly and not knowing what's going on and coming out more slowly once you do know what's going on, it's better to do the latter than the former because Ab- if, if you come out too quickly with information that's wrong, you're branded a liar. Yeah, but what you can do with great authority and honesty is say we're taking the situation very seriously and then when we have more facts, we'll come back at you. And the people who do that well are, you know, medical directors and surgeons when, you know, something happens with a public figure. Um, Every time you see a doctor at a hospital press conference, they're really doing real time and they are dealing with life and death. And generally when you watch them, they say, you know what? Our patient is stabilized. Um, he's been hit hard. Um, you know, we will let you know in a couple of hours the update. We really can't tell you any more right now. That's honest. Yeah, I think though that corporate and political situations are harder. I think scientifically, uh, you know, when you're dealing with a medical situation, people sort of understand that you don't know right away. I think that there is an expectation in corporate crises and and, and government crises that the party in question secretly knows but is not telling you. It's what we refer to in the book as the fallacy of evil men, uh, the belief that uh, the company 
uh, is always hiding something. So, you know, one of the things that P- that entities under siege have to understand is even if you do handle it qu- uh, correctly, uh, the media will always say you didn't handle it correctly. I mean, I did an interview a few weeks ago about the JetBlue crisis, and one of the, this was on one of the TV shows, uh, the cable shows, and somebody said, um, well, do you think, why do you think that the, the JetBlue is in so much trouble? And I said, well, one of the reasons is every hour on the hour you have an expert on and you ask them why they're in so much trouble. And so one of the things that we have to factor in is you now have a media and an internet has a vet that has a vested interest in the crisis remaining bad. So the rules of 20 years ago that if you do the right thing the crisis will go away is not true because you now have active investors in the crisis. So even if you do the textbook right thing, you're dealing with a a fundamentally and and intrinsically uh, hostile media and internet that only gains if the crisis keeps going on the same way uh, now Sharpton only gains if Don Imus remains in trouble. No, no, I, yeah, no, I, I think that's right. You bring up a very important point, and that is, you know, now that everything is live 24-7 on the Internet, you have a whole new component of constituents that you have to deal with. It's no longer making a comment to the Wall Street Journal and everything will fall into place. It's, um, you know, you have so many different people and so many, um, you know, so much public opinion that can muddle the situation and the story, and I think that the death of Anna Nicole Smith is a very good example of that. This became an ongoing tabloid sensation because there were so many different sides of the story coming up every minute from everybody that wanted to be her daddy. Well, I, I think that's I think that that's right. I mean, that that was a very unusual situation, and and I think that what what people need to understand uh, in managing crises is. You're not a crisis. Uh, is not an organic thing. Uh, it is something that now comes with investors who want to keep it open. That's why I mean one of the chapters in in, in the damage control book deals with the myth of the apology. You know the idea that if you apologize, the problem goes away. Well, uh, not if you have investors in keeping the crisis going. And one of the things uh, we talk about in the book is how you know why, for example. Was um, Trent did Trent Lott, Senator Lott, lose his post uh, after making comments about uh, affectionate comments about Strom Thurmond, while uh, Senator Robert Byrd uh, used a, a very bad epithet and did not did not lose his standing. The crisis went away very quickly. Uh, there's a myth that Bill Clinton's apology. Uh, got him out of the soup, which is a complete misreading of what really happened. I mean, what really happened with Bill Clinton is very similar to what happened with Kobe Bryant. The first thing Bill Clinton did, um, and by the way, I'm not saying that this is right, but the book is, is politically incorrect. Uh, uh, he first lied. Uh, he then destroyed his enemies. And third, once his enemies were destroyed, he then apologized. Uh, apologies often are more effective when the people who want to hurt you are neutralized. And Kobe Bryant did the same thing. They, his lawyer spent a year, a year and a half, just decimating his accuser. And then when there was nothing left of her but a, but pulp, uh, he then issued this really tortured apology. So what PR people need to understand is before they embrace the mother goose notion that apologies always work, understand in what conditions the apologies work and understand that plenty of time plenty of times they don't. I mean, Lawrence Summers, of president of Harvard, apologized four times and still lost his job. Don Imus apologized a zillion times and lost lost his job. So um, there's a certain, uh, there are certain complex um, conditions in which these situations um, work that PR people need to understand. I think that's great. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I want to come back and talk about the conditions. If that's okay, we're going to take a break with Eric Denzel, and he is the writer of Damage Control, Why Everything You Need to Know About Crisis Management is Wrong. Stay tuned. Now you can listen to your favorite hosts on your cell phone by clicking the banner on our homepage, News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, party festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R A K N R O L L Entertainment.com. Or call 1 818 597 0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. Visit our website at www.WestCoastBusinessReview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. yourself from the prison of your conditioned thoughts and destroy barriers that hinder your success. Tune in to Empowered Living, Life, Truth, and Being Free with host, speaker, writer, and personal coach Steve Maraboli. Steve and his expert guests take you on a quest for truth and highlight philosophies and strategies that help you release your greatest self. It's time to shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to your greatest potential, and align with happiness, success, and excellence with Empowered Living, Life, the Truth, and Being Free with Steve Maraboli. Broadcasting every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Empowered Living, Life, the Truth, and Being Free. Release the power within. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more Stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with damage control author, Why Everything You Know About Crisis Management is Wrong. Welcome back, Eric. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Okay, I um I want to talk about, you know, a couple of case studies and stuff like that and it's all the stuff, some of the stuff in the PR materials, but you know, I'm going to throw you some, you know, extemporaneous situations as well. But um let's talk about JetBlue. And, you know, I for, you know, never mind being in the crisis communications business or a public relations expert. Um I was just appalled at so badly that was handled and even, you know, the consumer who generally doesn't take an analytical standpoint of, you know, what's going on, had a lot to say about that. Uh, on JetBlue? Yes. Well, you know, I, I think that they ultimately came back, though. I mean, you know, the, there are things that weren't in their control and things that were. I mean, certainly uh, the weather is not within their control, but keeping people on an airline for 11 hours is just abominable and and inexcusable. I think that what they eventually did was right, which was they made uh, customers were were reimbursed. Uh, they issued a passenger bill of rights uh, about what their policies are going to be. And I think probably the best thing uh, was the CEO personally. One of the things we're finding in our business, and, and I have a chapter in the book called uh, Personality Trump Strategy, and PR people and corporations tend to love this idea of, uh, of you know, what's our strategy. And I think that, that having a good personality at the top, a good character, uh, is very, very important. And I thought that David Neeleman was really superb in terms of his public appearances. Yes, you know, fine. Uh, you know, he, he apologized, but let's not get too lovey-dovey about the apologies. What was probably better uh, was that they made the customers uh, whole financially and that he showed uh, personal activist leadership um, uh, after, uh, after the crisis got really hot. 
<laughs> yeah, but it, it took very long to to get him to. It just didn't seem to have. I don't know. For me, it seemed like an eternity before he addressed the situation. Well, I, I think that that it, it probably did seem that way to a lot of people. I I think that. Um, uh, I, I think that they responded as quickly as, as, as probably they, they could. Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of people didn't. But I also am, you know, I handle so many hideous uh, situations. I expect criticism to be a part of it. I, I don't expect, um, uh, I don't expect everybody to stand up and say, "Wonderful, you handled your crisis brilliantly." It just doesn't work that way. Well, sometimes it does. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it does. I, I think that, you know, it really depends on how much crisis communications one does. And, um, you know, it really depends on the situation. I, um, you know, I, I do think that there's a formula. And I think that a crisis communications expert can only do so much. But, you know, the CEO's ability to react, and I'm talking about in business rather than politics, um, you know, is a part of the formula, too. It's how much are they going to listen to the crisis advisor is a very, very huge part of the formula, and a lot of people don't understand that they could be advised one way but not react that way. Well, you know, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think one of the things that people are often asked is, um, why um you know why is the company doing so badly uh, in a certain situations well you know the truth is is don't assume that people are listening to their clients i mean one of the reasons why i have slowed down in terms of doing celebrity cases is i don't find these are people you could really talk to uh a lot of times um you know people are so who they are and they, that you can't get through to them and what i have found when you know you're dealing with a mega celebrity is there's so many layers around that person, and only the people who lie, tell the biggest lie to the celebrity end up getting access. So why bother working with them? So you know, one of the things that I'm finding at this stage in my in my career, I mean, our our firm is 20 years old. I'm in my mid 40s. Is the, what cases do you not want to take on simply because you're not going to be able to do anything for the people? And, uh, that's a good uh, a good answer. Very good answer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, and and you know you have to be realistic that not every situation has a solution. I mean, I purpose I personally thought Don Imus was finished the minute the words came out of his mouth. Uh, you know, we had I've done a lot of work with large corporations who are major advertisers, and I could tell you right now, no major advertiser wants to be anywhere around a Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton uh, situation. They just they, they just don't want to be there. So Don Imus could have stood on his toes, apologized 57 times, and done backflips, and he'd still be finished. Uh, <laughs> you know, other situations are more navigable, but I think what's important for crisis managers to know is they have to know how things really worked and then what they how they really did. And I the starting chapter of the of damage control deals with the Tylenol myth, and everybody loves to praise the Tylenol case um, and its crisis management. And the fact is, it simply did not occur the way the case studies have said it occurred. Uh, they did not instantly recall the product. Uh, it took over a week. And, uh, you know, if, and the other thing is, it's much easier to survive a crisis that, that is caused by an outside attacker than it is the company itself. So I, I think that anybody who wants to take this damage control area seriously has to stop with all of the drivel about how things happened and, and look at, at the complexity of how things were really executed. Okay, let's bring up another one. You brought up Tylenol, and again, I'm bringing up people that you might not necessarily have represented and, you know, got to do that. It's a journalist in me. You know? No, go, go ahead. Okay, but, um, you know, the pet, the whole pet food situation that happened a couple of weeks ago, that's still going on. There's it, still it is still going on because they basically don't know what's causing it. And I think that, that, you know, this gets to the issue of the cliche of responding quickly. What I find in a lot of the cases that we get is we really don't know a lot of times what's causing the problem. And um, not that that's forgivable, but there is an expectation of an instant, of an instant action. 
and it's hard to take. And I think that uh, one of the things that the pet food industry is attempting to do right now is quantify the risk. The way you deal with a safety crisis is if you can say to people, you have to give them control. Uh, you know, if you look for this serial number, uh, don't buy that product, or don't buy a product that was shipped between this date and that date. You have to give people specific, actionable information. I mean, one of the reasons why the Tylenol case uh, was resolved relatively quickly is because if you're worried about getting cyanide poisoning, what do you do? You throw your Tylenol out. End of story. Uh, the pet food situation is more co complicated because nobody can say uh, with certainty, you know, it is this particular brand that was shipped on this particular date. We still don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, it's exactly well, and again, I'm, what I, what's shocking to me, just as a news viewer, is the fact that you know this happened what a month ago, I think, when all the dogs were getting sick, and we saw all the footage of the dogs getting sick, and it was a pretty urgent situation for pet owners. Um, and now, like this week, you know, well, there's a problem with pet food again. <laughs> well, that, that, that's exactly right because. Uh, because it, it, the problem has not been isolated. And, you know, I think the industry has done a pretty good job at communicating pretty actively. The problem here is not a communications issue uh, as much as it is um, as much as it is finding out what the cause of the problem is and ending it, and they just don't know yet. Oh, no, it's very true. We're running out of time, and I'm sad. I want to have you on the show again because I want to... Love to do it. You know, we could have you on as a regular crisis commentator because God knows with the Internet, I think that you've we've all multiplied the chances of a crisis going out of control with as many people using the Internet as there are. Am I right about that? It's just, no, you, you are extremely right about it because the fact is, is what the Internet does is it means we're no longer in control. We're dealing with guerrilla warfare, whereas 20 years ago or 25 years ago when I entered the business, we were dealing with conventional warfare. If you had a crisis, you were dealing with the New York Times, Dan Rather, you know, Peter Jennings, somebody like that. Now a blogger can really create quite a firestorm, and it's not simply there are not simple answers that, well, if you answer his question, the problem will go away. Uh, you know, you look at a celebrity like Michael Richards, uh, he apologized, but every time you click on YouTube, he, he, he utters the epithet over again. No, no, it's really true. It's a 24-7 world now, and we have entire access to information. It's a good thing and a bad thing, and that's why I want to make you a regular on the show, and we'll talk about that. But thanks for joining us today. Eric Denzenhall, damage control writer, why everything you know about crisis management is wrong, and crisis communications expert. Well, thank you for joining the show. And Thanks so much we'll for having touch. me. It was great. Okay, take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy Ott. Please come back next and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Wackowitz on Stars of PR. We'll see you next week.